Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Get the fireworks ready. White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Good afternoon and welcome into White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight and you have another edition of White Sox Weekly this afternoon. This is our final White Sox Weekly of 2017. I can hardly believe it myself. New Year's is just around the corner, and so is the 2018 season. You can give the gift of White Sox baseball this holiday season. Just You can still give gifts. Nobody's going to stop you from doing that. White Sox holiday packs include ticket vouchers redeemable for 66 great games in 2018 and start at just $29.00. Each order is shipped with a decorative card. Vouchers do not need to be redeemed at the same time and can be spread across multiple games. Visit WhiteSox.com slash Holiday Packs for more information or to order yours today. Maybe you're a, a late gift giver. Maybe you flat forgot somebody. I'm not saying that I did, although maybe I did. Holiday Packs would make a great gift for the White Sox fan in your life. Or, heck, just buy them for yourself. Lots to do on the show this afternoon. This is... The much-anticipated episode for me. I'm, I'm looking forward to the end of the year. I'm very much looking forward to spring training in 2018, no doubt about it. But I've been looking forward to doing the review preview series, the episode uh, for the starting rotation. It won't be a surprise to Sox fans who have you know, kept a keen eye on the rebuild here over the last two years that perhaps, just maybe, their deepest where it counts on the mound. And that makes for a lot of, I, I don't know, intriguing intriguing tarot card reading, you know, intriguing predictions and projections on prospects. That really tickles my fancy. I hope it does yours. We're going to spend a lot of time here just after the 1230 news talking about the starting pitching in the White Sox system and doing the review preview series there on the bump. For the Sox. Also, this and, and another exciting part of our off-season tour, the Zips projections are out. Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs and a number of other places, ESPN as well as I recall, uh, does a great job with the Zips projections. They're one of the earlier ones. Uh, they've been coming out for about five years now, and they're just their player projections. The White Sox have they've done Zips has done their White Sox projections. And we'll go through some of those, talk about what we, you know, what, what was a little surprising, I think, in some of these projections. And really what they mean overall. You know, there are overperformers each and every year. There are underperformers each and every year due to the, uh, based on the projections. And we'll see, you know, maybe you've got some bets as we go through some of these as to who may be the over, perhaps underperformers, hopefully just overperformers for the White Sox in 2018. It is a, a pivotal year, and I mean that both... Uh, I suppose uh, both metaphorical definitions of it, but two different kinds. I think this is potentially the turn for the White Sox in this 2018 season. You really will throw a lot of talent at the major league level for a long extended period in this coming season, and you're going to see what they're made of. Uh, that said, you could see the gas pedal come down just a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about that too. As much as we'll do the projections uh, as much as we'll do the review preview series, uh, we'll touch on some news here in a second as well. Uh, but I want to spend a couple of minutes 
talking a bit about the rumors that have come out about the White Sox here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we'll, we'll get to those in just a second. You can, as always, in case you've forgotten, uh, download the podcast of our shows, WLSAM.com slash White Sox. Each and every show is archived and podcast there in case you missed an interview over the last couple of weeks or a review preview series that you want to go back and download. Maybe you missed our, uh, I don't know, maybe it was the Tim Anderson show, the shortstop breakdown that you missed a couple of weeks ago. You can go back to the website, WLSAM.com slash White Sox and download those. little bit of news. Uh, this came out on Friday. Wade Davis will go to the Rockies. He gets a big boy deal, too. Three years and $52 million, a player option for the fourth for a fourth season. Uh, that could take it to over $66 million. So, as Jeff Passan of Yahoo Sports uh, first tweeted, the $17 and a third million dollars per year that Wade Davis is going to get is going to make him the highest-paid reliever in baseball. That's higher than Aroldis Chapman, who got all kinds of ridiculous money from the Yankees this last offseason. The Rockies seemingly will lose Greg Holland. He declined the player option uh, this this offseason, so he's essentially a, he will be a free agent. A qualifying offer rejected as well, so the Rockies will get something back there. They've, the Rockies... Put together a, an interesting bullpen. It was good last year and seems to be perhaps getting better. Jake McGee, Brian Shaw, and Wade Davis, all the additions to that Rocks bullpen. And, you know, the, the White Sox did go to Colorado to play last season. They are not on the books in 2018, so the uh, White Sox exposure to the Rockies will be limited to spring training baseball. Still a little bit of news there as the White Sox you know, we, we mentioned it, and perhaps we'll revisit both starting pitching and relief pitching with the White Sox as, as free agents get signed. Uh, Rick Hahn has mentioned that signing a reliever or two and adding a little depth to that bullpen is one of the goals for this offseason, yet to do anything real significant on that end. A couple of smaller moves, uh, but we will, uh, you know, th- this reliever market, I suppose, has the potential of affecting the White Sox offseason plans perhaps more than anything else. So that's why we bring up this news here. You know, I, I mentioned that, that it has the potential of, of affecting the White Sox offseason plan more than anything else, except perhaps the White Sox own self-driven offseason plans. I mentioned I wanted to get to a, a rumor, a report or two uh, that popped up here in the last, uh, just a couple of days ago, I guess the 22nd, so just a few days before Christmas and ESPN's Jerry Krasnick reported that the White Sox are among a number of clubs that have checked into the Marlins sell-off and try to figure out exactly what's going on there. After John Carlos Stanton and Marcelo Zuna were traded, it seems like the Marlins could be interested in trading even more talent, uh, whether it's all that highly priced or whether it comes at just a little bit of a discount. Uh, Christian Yelich, certainly an interesting dude, a good guy who can you know cover center field. He's owed $45 million over the next four seasons. He has what a lot of people call a batting title type bat, a lot of contact, great on-base percentage. Last season, uh, actually over the last three seasons, playing mostly left but could man center, 293, 371 on-base, 447 slug, and you know, the kid is going to play in his twenty six age 26 season, so potentially primed to get real, real comfortable against big league pitching. We'll see. 
and, I, and I guess I just wanted to go over the the idea of the White Sox making a move that kind of changes what the window might look like just a touch. When we talked about the Manny Machado reports, we talked with Scott Merkin, remember, on that show a couple of weeks ago. What were what is this about? You know, how does Manny Machado, a trade for Manny Machado, play into what Rakan and the White Sox have been talking about as their competitive window for some time now? How does that how does that jive? Why does that work together? And to me, quite honestly, the Machado part of that discussion is a lot easier to have because he's Manny Machado, right? Sounds simple, but young, potential superstar in this league, arguably already a superstar in this league, though a bit of a down year by Manny Machado standards last season. The Manny Machado exercise is an easier one to have than perhaps this Christian Yelich idea. That said, if the price is right, and, and I mentioned this when we, way back when, when we first found out that Jeter was, and, and the new management group was going to take over uh, the management of the Marlins and the sell-off was reported even then. We were doing the catcher review preview series. We started, it was the first week we started at the catcher's spot. I mentioned JT Real Muto as a guy that would be fairly interesting for the White Sox. Why? Well, because he's young and good and maybe you can get him at a decent price. How he fits in with the rest of your system, how he fits in with some of the young prospects, that's a good problem to have. That's the surplus problem, right? Remember a couple of years ago, a couple of teams, both the Astros and the Cubs, had too many shortstops in the minor leagues. Well, those type of problems, too many good shortstops, right? Those type of problems have a way of working themselves out. Talent rises to the top, and especially in the American League, you've got a chance of using that DH to spread the at-bats around just a little bit. So I, I don't think that... Well, the Manny Machado talk was different in that it's a little bit more explainable or understandable, I suppose, even if the asking price from the Orioles would have to necessarily be higher, perhaps, than Yelich or Real Muto. It would make sense to add a guy of that kind of transcendent talent, assuming you keep him long term. With Yelich, with Real Muto, with really anybody the White Sox might want to get creative about and you know, make a move for a 24, 25, 26-year-old guy, maybe even giving up a couple of the names we've seen at guaranteed rate this last season or perhaps some of the minor leaguers that are on the cusp, you can start to see how, yeah, that, that may change the landscape some of this White Sox rebuild as it's been told. However, if you're acquiring control, it's a much easier fit for the White Sox, and it's a much easier, you know, it starts to solve some of the long-term problems a little bit better than perhaps just writing down depth charts of prospects might. There are arguments on the other side. We're not talking about the kind of cost that we might be Yelich versus prospects filling in and major league minimums and all that stuff. I get that. I just thought with the Yelich rumors, with the report from uh, Jerry Krashnick, maybe worth touching on real quick here before we dive into the Fangraphs Zips projections after a quick break. White Sox fans, you can sign up for SoxFest 2018 right now to receive a Hawk Harrelson talking bobblehead. The exclusive giveaway item is only available through SoxFest hotel packages. Join us January 26th through January 28th for a weekend of White Sox baseball you won't want to miss. Hotel packages are available now at whitesox.com 
slash SoxFest. I'm Connor McKnight. You've got White Sox Weekly. We'll get to the Fangraphs Zips projections for the 2018 White Sox after a quick commercial break. This is WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. Sox fans, it's never too early to lock in a 2018 ticket package. Full and partial ticket plans are available, including a lower-level 10-game plan starting at $230.00. Take advantage of great benefits like discounted pricing and flexible payment plans. For more information, call 312-674-1000 or visit whitesocks.com. All right, so we have come back from the break. And as promised, after discussing a little bit of news and a little bit of rumor or report, I should say. Rumor is kind of the fun thing to say this season or this part of the season, this off season. Report is more accurate. Uh, Jerry Krasnick knows his stuff. Uh, That said, those are in the books, those topics, those little nuggets are in the books, and we move on to uh, a fun little exercise, I guess, during the offseason, though Dan Zimborski certainly puts up more effort than just an exercise would would allude to this offseason to put in these player projections that have been released on fan graphs. They are the Zips projections. They are... From my understanding, and and it doesn't seem as though they've uh, changed the tilt, I guess, of these projections much. You know, the, the Pakota is going to come out with some uh, baseball prospectus it has that system out there. And there will be a couple other projection systems that pop out. But Zips tends to be the slightly more favorable projection system. Pakota, perhaps a little more pessimistic. So you mix the two together and you get what... Um, what every baseball prognosticator loves to do is meet in the middle somewhere of a projection system and figure that's probably where things end up. Uh, that said, they're out. Fangraphs does great work. We love using their stuff here on the show and throughout the season on the broadcast, and we figure to do the same today with the Zips projections for the 2018 White Sox. In summation, it's this. And I wouldn't be, you know, if I were the White Sox front office and I saw these projections, if they even look at these things, I'm sure they do their own. Uh, although I'm sure they take a cursory look at, at this kind of stuff from third parties, too. It's not like there aren't uh, smart people working in the third party sector. There are a lot of guys like that have been hired by clubs, for goodness sakes. Anyway, if I were the White Sox front office looking at this Zips projection, I'd go, huh, that's interesting. We like our guys. We really do. If I were White Sox fans looking at these projections, I would go, huh, that is pretty interesting. I like my guys. If I'm here doing the show, looking at these projections, I really do think that these are are fairly interesting. And I would still say I like some of these guys. I I really do. I like some of the depth that's been assembled by this White Sox front office and during this White Sox rebuild. There are some caveats Some what-ifs, some what-have-yous, we're going to go through those here. I'll sum up the Zips projection. It's not a huge fan of the White Sox in 2018. There are some players who project to have pretty good years. Um, If you love the war stat or if you hate it, I suppose it doesn't matter which way you like it, which way you don't. Uh, The war stat is out there. looks like Jose Abreu, Yoan Mancata, uh, those guys are your guys, your top two position players in war. Uh, 
Aloy Jimenez is projected to have a good year. Yomer Sanchez is as well. Uh, 1.5 for Aloy, though, you know, he's likely to play most of that season in AA and perhaps AAA. Yomer Sanchez for a 1.4, right about where he was last year, give or take. And Avisel Garcia, so says the 2018 Zips projections, I guess, uh, slated to take a step backward from last season. Now, without giving you the the relative numbers, right, without giving you, even I, I gave you the war numbers, right, but even without giving you some of the more specifics, the weighted runs created or perhaps some of the OPS numbers, the WOBA, if you wanted those two, we can do some of those. and In fact, we might over the next couple of minutes here. But if you just took some of those statements on face value, I think you'd go, yeah, okay, I, I kind of expected that from the White Sox in 2018. Uh, Yomer Sanchez, Jose Abreu, Yoan Mancata, Avi Garcia. If the White Sox are having a, a relatively decent season, those should be, I, I mean, production-wise, perhaps the wins and losses ebb and flow, especially with the way the White Sox will have to rehab the bullpen in 2018. If, if the production's there from some of those guys, that's kind of what you expected. It's in the rest of the details, I guess, and specifically into the pitching where you start to see zips, as it is, lose a little faith in some of the White Sox players they've acquired. I think some of that, it seems, is a lack of track record. Um, Lucas Giolito, too, has, remember, on his resume, some not-so-stellar innings, about 40 of them with the Washington Nationals, and it's something some, somewhat similar for Reynaldo Lopez before he came over in the Adam Eaton trade. Lucas outperformed a couple of peripherals in his handful of starts with the White Sox in 2017, uh, and I think Reynaldo Lopez, with the injury that he, he went through, the little side problem there, was kind of trying to find himself on the major league mound more than he was able to actually, I don't know, for lack of a better term, let it fly. That said, those three guys, uh, well, those two, Lucas and Reynaldo, plus Carlos Rodon, are the only three pitchers that Zips projects to have more than one win above replacement. And you know what? I should say this, too, because um, it, it was just popping around on Twitter uh, amongst a, a lot of uh, baseball fans and analysts, uh, the war stat and how it's perhaps fallen out of some favor. I, I never used, mean to use the war stat, wins above replacement, as a, as a catch-all. I find that, and I apologize for doing a little caveat work here on the show myself, but, you know, we're a radio show, and we don't get the benefit of throwing up a bunch of cool graphics, talking about them and letting the visual kind of explain it. So we use war, or at least I do here on the show, as a bit of a, I don't know, a little bit of a crutch. I encourage you. In fact, I would love for White Sox fans to head over to Fangraphs, take a look at some of the number breakdowns. It's just it doesn't make for great radio, and we're trying to do some good stuff it doesn't make for great radio to read number after number after number. I tune out and I'm the one saying them. So we're just trying to do the best we can to, to sum up some things here on the, the Zips projections for the White Sox in 2018. Um, the, the notable guys, and, and I'll talk about Avi Garcia here on the other side of a quick break, uh, the news at 1230, and then we'll get into the starting pitching review preview series too. But uh, Zips has Avi Garcia taking a big dip in 2018. 
that's understandable, I think, for a lot of reasons. One, these these are ba- projection systems are based on past record, right? Past production, and Avi hasn't had a whole lot of that. So, a system is almost necessarily, and Zips is different from Pakoda, and I think Pakoda leans a little bit heavier on the past than perhaps Zips does. We'll have Dan on the show here in a couple weeks to talk about it, but with Avi. One breakout season does not a turnaround make, at least in the projection system. Still, Zips hasn't pegged for a 340 batting average for balls in play. His was astronomically high in the 2017 season. He hit for a little bit of power, but Zips doesn't necessarily have him doing uh, the same thing in 2017, a 435 slugging. Uh, but the weighted runs created, 105. So, while things step back some for Avi, that's still a, a, a pretty quality season from an outfielder. It's just perhaps not the all-star level that we saw Avi compete at last year. That's understandable, and, and I think in projection systems like this, I don't, I don't think White Sox fans need to necessarily be uh, offended or upset. Just kind of hedging bets, I, I think, are a computer or two. Um, we got to take a quick break. The news is next. We'll continue with the zip stuff on the other side. We'll get into the starting pitching review preview series. This is White Sox Weekly on WLS AMA 90. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. If you're looking for just the right gift for that young ball player in your life, the Bulls Sox Youth Academy is hosting holiday baseball and basketball camps for boys and girls ages 5 to 14. Combination sports camps are available in multiple locations. Come join the fun this holiday season. Call 630-PLAYBALL or visit BullsSoxAcademy.com for more information. Uh, just before the news here on the show, we were talking a bit about the Fangraphs Zips projections for the 2018 season. They were pretty frank, not huge fans of the sum of the potential White Sox in 2018. I, I did want to just pop in with a number of a couple of players that I thought might grab attention, uh, maybe some new additions, maybe some. Uh, prospects that might figure in and flash a little bit of interest or so. Wellington Castillo, who was added by the White Sox just a couple of weeks ago, figures at least per zip, so 1.3 war season. Nicky Delmonico, who flashed uh, so bright when he came up in the major leagues last year, a one war season. What I've heard the most uh, in the short time Zips has been out from White Sox fans is um, I suppose a little bit of disapp- disappointment about Tim Anderson's projection, a point nine war. I, and, and this is where you know Ed and DJ talk about this a lot. Hawk talks about this a lot too. Projection systems can't measure what a guy like Tim Anderson went through. Um, Gene Segura uh, comes to mind as well. You'll remember a couple of seasons ago, he lost. He and his wife lost an infant child. You you can't factor that into some of this math right and that's why i think you know the best front offices have tried to marry both the old school and the new school these numbers and the eyes all that good stuff i mean you've heard this hundreds and hundreds of times but you know for each of these ball players the white Sox have and, and are on this list and this probably goes for every franchise in baseball too I, there are going to be a couple where you go huh I, there's just no way that that's that's the guy you see in 2018. I expect, I, I don't know if the September that Tim Anderson had is going to be the full 2018 that 
Tim Anderson may end up having. He was so good in the final. I'll refresh your memory, right? September, Tim Anderson, uh, really August into September, but just that last month of the season, uh, 327 batting average, 348 on base percentage, 469 slugging percentage. He was terrific, especially for a shortstop. That's probably not his whole 2018, but I expect him to be a lot more productive throughout than he was last year. I know I'm not breaking any ground in saying that. I'm not surprising anybody by saying that. Last season, really up through the end of July, was awful for Tim. And it really took, you know, from August into September, those last two months, for him to start clicking on all cylinders. I I think that kind of knowledge about this team that I, I know White Sox fans have might help, you know, as as this winter gets cold and snowy and gross might help you you know read this projection a, a little bit more favorably than some of the raw numbers that might have gotten spit out at you for pitchers I, I think we mentioned the the three pitchers that zips has pegged for over one win seasons that figure to be in the uh, starting rotation that'd be carlos rodon lucas giolito and michael kopak uh pardon reynaldo lopez i maybe gave away the tease there kopak is according to Zips, uh, slated for a 1.7 war. That's, of course, if he were in the major league rotation. But, you know, for a lot of these guys, a lot of the starters, Kopech, Hanson, Lopez, uh, as you go down the list uh, a little bit and find some of the others, Carson Fulmer, Jordan Stevens, maybe even a guy like Ian Clarkin or Spencer Adams, there's more projection to be done through the minor leagues, even for perhaps one of the one of the game's best pitching prospects in Michael Kopech. I I suppose we can use this to bridge into our starting pitching review preview series. Although I'll, I'll say it just one last time here, while it's you know fun to look at all these projections, you should or, or fun to talk about some of the simple numbers. I guess on the show, I highly encourage you to go read Dan Simborski's work at Fangraphs.com. It's the White Sox Zips projection. And look through some of the things that you might have questions on. I I will just throw one thing in here. Not only does Zips do all this stuff with a a bunch of projected stats, rate stats, you've got your war, you've got your ERA plus and K rates and whatnot. It, It also gives a player comp. And I thought it was worth mentioning that Gregory Infante's player comp for the 2018 season is, in fact, Ed Farmer. I, You know, I, I'm, I'll bring it up to Ed. I know Ed's not a huge fan of Zip's projections, but I think to not mention that Gregory Infante, his number one comp is Ed Farmer, I, would be, I wouldn't be doing my job. Not, not the best I could. I'm glad to bring that up here on the show. All right, let's get into it. The 2017-2018 Review Preview Series for starting pitching. This one this one I've been looking forward to quite a bit. I I think it probably became obvious if you listen to White Sox Weekly uh, toward the end of last season or pre- or post-game shows too. I really enjoyed watching some of the young arms, Gilito, Lopez, even Fulmer in his last couple of starts, step into the White Sox rotation and really start to grow. As Carlos Rodon got on his role there before the Bursitis thing popped up, that was a bunch of fun to watch too. I'm I'm a firm believer that you do have to be real deep, real, real deep in arms. And more and more, 
I'm not so much thinking that they've got to be starters, though it certainly helps. It's tougher to go deeper in games than it is to relieve. I, I think that's been made pretty clear by a number of guys who have you know tried out as starters and then moved into elite elite bullpen arms. Uh, Wade Davis, who we talked about at the beginning of the show, him just signing with the Rockies, uh, Andrew Miller, the list goes on and on, right? Not saying that it's t- easy. Not saying that it's easy to do that kind of move, to make that kind of move. You have to have the right guy to do it with. But certainly, you know, if you were a franchise, you'd rather be deeper in starters than you would relievers. For the White Sox this season, obviously things in the starting rotation would start with Carlos Rodon were he healthy. If you look back at 2017, I, I, I think perhaps the biggest disappointment is that we didn't get to see Carlos Rodon step into a full role as a starter. Injuries knocked him out of a chance of doing that. You did see him slowly, well, really not even that slowly, but over the course of six or seven starts, really start to sink his hooks into major league hitters and be the guy that I think a lot of people had seen his stuff project him out to be. that The, the guy that Don Cooper talks about on pre, pregame shows all the time, the guy that could be the next number one for the White Sox. This season, and it's unfortunate that we're doing this again, this season you have to have Carlos Rodon healthy before he starts back on this path. You've got a little bit of leeway to do it since you are a rebuilding team, since the White Sox are making these moves to to get younger and to be a sustainable postseason contender. You've got the ability to do that. But with Rodon, the, the clock starts to tick, I think, in a little bit of a different way than it had last season. I'm not saying that it's, you know, that hell's bells are ringing, not by any stretch. But as the White Sox have more and more arms move up through the system, and you saw how quickly Alec Hansen could move through the system. You saw how quickly Michael Kopech, or or how thoroughly, I suppose, he dominated double-A and then went into triple-A. There are guys knocking. And, and I don't mean that to say... There's in any that, that, that Carlos is going to get knocked off the perch, but there might be innings that the White Sox need to see from some of these young guys, and that's what makes I think the starting pitching review preview series one of the more fun ones. Let's get to Lucas Gilito and Reynaldo Lopez. In well, I suppose we'll wait till after the break. Let's dive into the rest of the starting rotation projected for the White Sox in 2018. When we come back, we'll run down some of the prospects as well, and I, I think. I think we're going to see a couple eyes opened by maybe guys who haven't factored in on top prospect lists in 2018. I'll tell you who I'm thinking about when we come back. Real quickly, though, there is no better way to watch a White Sox game than in premium seating. The Chicago White Sox offer all-inclusive club areas, private suites, and the best locations and accommodations. you got the perfect option for two people or the whole office. For more information, Call 312-674-6330 or visit WhiteSox.com. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. We're back here on White Sox Weekly. This is WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. And if you've ever dreamed of being a White Sox player, now is your chance. You can attend the 2018 Chicago White Sox Fantasy Camp at Camelback Ranch, Glendale, January 14th through the 20th and be treated like a pro. That's coming up. We're in January tomorrow. 
So get yourself together for more information or to reserve your roster spot. Call 623-302-5078 or sign up at whitesocks.com. This is our final segment on the final show of 2017. We are in the midst of the review preview series for starting pitching for the White Sox. Looking back at last year and looking forward into 2018, we kind of dealt with the top of the rotation, Carlos Rodon. There will be, I think, an addition at some point in this offseason or perhaps even into spring training. Seems like signings come later and later as the CBAs get more and more complicated. That said, uh, perhaps you add somebody, perhaps the White Sox add somebody to the starting rotation to cover a couple of innings for Carlos Ferran before he gets back into the mix. But Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez were thrown into the rotation late last season, and I was impressed by both, though a little bit differently. Uh, I thought Reynaldo showed some moxie on the mound. I thought he more or less showed a lot better control than I thought he might. Certainly when he gets wild, that's when he runs into trouble. Uh, the injury derailed a little bit of progress, I suppose, for Reynaldo Lopez. But, you know, overall, I, I think the young man had a, had a pretty good start to a White Sox career. And I, I guess the question for Lopez really, to me, becomes how deep can you get into games? In most of his minor league career and some of his starts with the Nationals and the White Sox, it was about how deep you could get from start to start. Durability isn't quite the thing we're talking about here. It's it's more specific to a to a one game kind of thing. He might be able to last, you know, thirty starts, but if he's five and a third or five and two thirds, that's one thing. If that starts to lengthen out, and as Don Cooper talks about quite a bit, the job of a White Sox starting pitcher, this is almost a verbatim quote, I think the job of a White Sox starting pitcher is to stay out there until we bring you back. Ronaldo's got a little bit of work to do in that area, and I'll be really interested to see after eight starts with the Sox last year how much that's able to be improved. For Lucas Giolito, it's a bit of a different story. A two three eight ERA certainly sparkles, but a FIP, fielding independent pitching of 4.94, might lead you to think that a couple of fly balls, I suppose, went Lucas's way as opposed to the batter. That said, a .94, .95 whip is real good. He didn't walk many guys and struck out a few, 6.8 strikeouts per nine. I think for both Lopez and Giolito, it's about harnessing some of the off-speed stuff. It's about making sure whether whether Lucas is going to lean more on that slider. Perhaps if the White Sox do change the pitch mix some, which Lucas seems willing to do, then you've got a little bit more of a, an efficient guy out there, more of a strikeout machine out there, perhaps. Uh, I, I think, you know, Lucas, especially, you know, as, as he started in AAA last year and really had to rework some of the very basics of his delivery, getting back to, I guess, some of the very basics of his delivery, I, I think you got to tip the cap to a kid like that who was perhaps the number one pitching prospect in baseball at age 19, going through the struggles he did and, and getting back to that level. At 22 and 23, Giolito and Lopez, in, in a lot of people's eyes, are maybe not the most important pieces of this White Sox rebuild, but certainly form a good portion of the core of it. Michael Kopech is, is I suppose, the next guy in this review preview series, even though he doesn't figure to be in the rotation on opening day, though 
I wouldn't give it a non-zero chance of happening. Maybe like two or three percent chance. Maybe like one and a half to two percent chance, but it could happen. Kopech was terrific last season. He mowed down Double A. He got himself to Triple A and, and did fairly well. Uh, this season is going to be all about how he's able to take that next step and know that he's so close to the major leagues, but still get the job done. He is a focused individual. He is intense. And he throws as hard as just about any starter in minor league baseball and, and on a consistent basis, too. The sky's the limit, it seems, for Michael Kopech at this point. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if, you know, when we're done ranking prospects and spring training rolls around, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Michael Kopech is the number one pitching prospect in all of baseball. I don't think that changes the idea for his arrival. I do think that the White Sox are going to be as conservative as they were with Yohan Mankata. I think they're going to be as conservative as they could possibly be with, with Michael Kopech. I, I think when you give him, and, and this is something Rick Hahn has said over and over again, and I think maybe with Kopech it means it means even more than it did with Giolito or with Lopez. When you give the ball to Kopech in White Sox pinstripes, whether it's a guaranteed right field or some other major league ballpark for the first time, you don't want to ever have to bring him back to the minor leagues. You want him to be there and be dominant and be that guy. And I think it's all for Kopech uh, about checking those boxes and making sure that that's exactly what's accomplished in 2018. Alec Hansen is the other guy I think that has surprised a lot of people. Um, we've talked quite a bit about him on the show and, and with some of his managers and pitching coaches. I, I think for Hansen, while he's been on the come and, and really run through a couple of levels here, I'd, I'd like to see him set some just a little bit. I'd like to see him kind of he's, – he's a four-year college arm. He's a guy that could have gone as high in the draft as 1-1 if his senior season goes the way his junior season did. I'd like to see him work some to get hitters out. And I don't mean struggle. I, I mean, I think he and Dane Dunning to a certain point were able to use fastball – two-seam fastball to get so many guys out because of that command and that kind of run on the fastball, that kind of life on the fastball. I'd like to see uh, the pitch mix, the selection, the process work a little bit harder this coming season. And I, I don't I don't want them to struggle. I'm not asking for that. I just, I'm, finding a, I'm finding it tough to put it a better way, but I want them to have to use their brain, I guess, and other stuff to get hitters out. I think that might be the next part of their development um, and, and I think for both of them, Hanson and, you know, to a certain degree, Kopech, that's kind of what I hope this season holds for them. Uh, let's spin back to the Major League rotation because as I jumped into the Kopech thing, I had looped into Alec Hanson. Carson Fulmer is expected to be in the White Sox starting rotation in 2018. Rick Hahn said exactly that just uh, as the winter meetings, uh, pardon, as the GM meetings were getting started. Fulmer Obviously, a top draft pick of the White Sox just a couple of years ago. He was drafted in 2015, eighth overall out of Vanderbilt. He made five starts in 2017. One was an unmitigated disaster. Starting the second end of a doubleheader against the Minnesota Twins in August, he lasted just an inning and a third and gave up six runs. His second start was solid. Six innings, three hits, nine strikeouts, and three walks. He gave up the one home run. Uh, went out against the Detroit Tigers in the following start. Six innings, one earned run, five strikeouts. 
The one against Houston was he came out early that game, just a third of an inning. Blister, I think, popped up for him. He spent a little time getting things right. Nine days later, he came back and made a start on September 30th against the Cleveland Indians. Five innings, three hits, one run, two walks, two strikeouts. Fulmer had really struggled with command issues in 2016. In 2017, in the minor leagues, the command issues reared again after a good first two months. Fulmer is, I think, a great guy to give a chance. He'll dangle that carrot some, uh, the, the carrot of the rotation in spring training. The guy's a competitor, and he can fight for it. His stuff is solid. There's there's just no way you can watch Carson Fulmer's starts, even the bad ones. In fact, some of the nastiest stuff he had was in his bad start uh, against the Minnesota Twins or or even in a relief outing against the Indians on September 5th. You can't look at that stuff and say, that doesn't deserve a chance. Whether he's able to throw strikes with it is a different question altogether and one that he'll have to answer for the White Sox and have to answer quickly, I think. We talked a lot uh, about the potential to a, uh, of the White We talked a bit about the potential for the White Sox to add somebody into that rotation that may bump Fulmer out. We'll see if that kind of experience outweighs the potential of Carson Fulmer. But, you know, that said, Fulmer could roll into a relief role pretty easily. You look at the way his body type projects, the stuff projects, and, you know, maybe you can fashion some sort of two-inning demon a guy like Chris Tavensky or, or maybe even you know, at the top end, Andrew Miller, those pieces are valuable ones in today's baseball, and they're ones that the teams really enjoy having. It lets you be a little creative and keeps the burden out of your starters and out of the back end, the high leverage arms in that bullpen too. And you know, who knows? Maybe Fulmer can work himself into that too, but he's going to get starts in 2018. That's going to do it for us on the Review Preview Series for Starting Pitching. i, I got to imagine we'll swing back and talk a bit more about some of the prospects as we get closer and closer to... As we get closer and closer to spring training, there will be more projection systems, there will be more top ten lists, and there will be more White Sox Weekly when we come back in 2018. Thanks so much for listening all of this past year. A uh, special thank you to Dave Zaslowski, the executive producer of White Sox Baseball. He makes this whole thing go... We'll be back next Sunday. Thanks for listening. Have a happy and safe new year. I'm Connor McKnight. This is WLS AM 890.